Shut up and sit down. everyone i hope everybody had a fantastic saturday afternoon it was gorgeous here today it was 77 degrees with blue sky i went to i went to costco and immediately regretted my life choices um <clears throat> but other than that uh we had zaxby's for lunch and it was fantastic i love their little cheddar bites they're like 7,000 calories but i love them so much <clears throat> anyways <clears throat> So tonight we're going to do a writer's table. We're going to get started. We're going to start with chaptering because that's come up a couple of times in the um, in the in our writing areas of of which we have several. Uh, so we're going to start that. Um, but I did want to do a little bit of um, housekeeping. So let's do housekeeping first. I'm going to put Julie on the air. So what's our housekeeping? Keep my um, house. I, um, right. You guys can show up at tomorrow. It's at, at eight, and um, some of you can start in the kitchen. I'm just kidding. <laughs> kind of. I'm only. Yeah, not kid. really. Okay. Feel free to come over and clean house. So, um, oh, today we, uh, I, we, um, I installed a calendar for sprint minding on Rough Trade, and there is now a link at the top of the site with the sprint calendar on it, and. Um, Ellen's already set up her weekly Sunday events. So, and the other Sprint Mods have the link in their in their private Sprint Mod channel, so they can go in and set up their own um, their own uh, sprints for the channels, the the Sprint Twenty and the Sprint Forty Five. Uh, so that's there. Um, now, if you don't see something on the calendar, it doesn't mean sprinting isn't going on. Some people prefer to just sprint when it when when it, when the mood hits them. So um, you can always drop by and see if anybody's there or if anybody's in, online who's interested in running them right then. Um, it'll take us probably take us a while to get into the groove of setting up a schedule, but some people are always going to like to just write when they can as opposed to setting up in advance. But I do know that for some people it helps the moderator and the people doing the sprinting to set it up in advance. So we're trying to come up with a way of offering that. Hello, Chris, way over in Australia. I hope you're having a fantastic afternoon, <laughs> right? She's in the afternoon. Good morning, uh, maybe? Right around, I think she's like slightly later than we are, but a day, uh, yeah, no, in the morning. It's morning. It's morning over there. It's morning. Um, okay, so uh, I did want, okay, so reminders, May 1st is the final rough draft date for Quantum Bang. May 1st is also the first day of Criminal Minds Big Bang opening for signups. So Criminal it's Minds the- Big Bang yeah. Clarification about the quantum bang, that's the last day for art. Art. You can still submit, well, for rough draft. Rough draft submissions for the second art claims 
is May 1st. You can actually still submit your story later. Right, but you'll get, like, doesn't know what you'll get for art if you're after that. So the final stories are due May 28th, and we'll announce our posting schedule on the 31st. And the final art is due May 15th. And like I said, Criminal Minds, Big Bang, um, is that author sign-ups, I assume, open on um, May 1st. So that's all for that, I believe. I was late with the Thursday vignette because I, I, well, I skipped the last week of March because I didn't have any ideas, and I wanted to spend April doing something special. Um, and then I forgot to post on Thursday. So uh, it's late, but it's up now. And um, what I'm doing for April is because we're getting ready for um, Avengers Infinity, I mean, uh, Endgame, I'm doing, um, so today was, so this this last Thursday was Captain America. So Captain America went up about an hour ago. Next week we're going to do Iron Man. And then we're going to do the Hulk. And then we're going to end it with Thor. So we're going to have a, an MCU month for April to kind of celebrate Endgame coming. Now, with Captain America, if you're one of those people who got really pissed off with him around Civil War, feel free to, you know, explore before Civil War. (laughs) (laughs) Where where you're happy about him. (laughs) Go have fun I honestly think that we're probably going to have around 40 stories for Quantum Bay? Would you say that is about accurate? That seems re- that seems reasonable. Crazy cakes. You guys are awesome. At a minimum of two million words, which not everybody wrote the minimum. Some people wrote almost more, well more than double the minimum. Um, so, yeah. I wrote about double. Yeah. I, I'm... I'm I'm not. I'm probably not double, but I'm. I think I went 12k over the minimum. Yeah, Kira picked some pretty pictures. She did. I wanted to focus on characters that were highly impacted by the MCU and the events that took place between. Um, Avengers and um, Avengers Infinity War. So um, somewhat minor characters didn't get a didn't get a nod. I only had four. So I I really wanted to to focus on characters that had really powerful arcs throughout the series, and that really is Iron Man, Captain America, Hulk, and Thor. You know, because if I had my preference, mm-hmm. I probably would have stuck Loki in there, but um, just for kicks, because and, and Tom Hiddleston's beautiful. But maybe, like in May, we can do an, another set of um, MCU characters, depending on how we feel about, about Infinity War, <laughs> about Endgame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we might spend the whole month of May fixing Endgame, <laughs> one prompt at a time. I'm, I might just be rage quitting the whole fandom. Who knows? It seems unlikely, but sometimes they do make me need to have a timeout. <laughs> I got sugar 
well, it, it's not sugar free, but it is no sugar added um, ice cream at the store. It's um, it's um, Edie's, Edie, Edy, um, mm-hmm. It's Fudge Tracks, and it is really good. If it's no sugar added, does that mean it's um, artificial sweetener? Yeah, I, I think it is sweet, artificial sweetener, yeah. It's, it's, but it's not, there's not that um, aftertaste you get with a lot of artificial sweeteners. So I'm not sure there's a lot in here. And we both posted nice today. Time. I haven't read yours yet. I'm, I, it's my reward for getting all that stupid, um, all my stupid things up. Because I didn't, because I hadn't put my monthly drabbles up on MeWe. I was just a lazy ass, so I had to go around and do all that shit. I haven't read. I haven't read anything yet. I was going to, but my mother stuck a pork chop and some black eyed peas in my face, and you know that was a real. That'll do it. So, I'm sorry. You just got pushed to the side for food. <laughs> right. You see, I mean, you know. <laughs> I don't feel like stevia myself either. Um, I can't stand stevia; it tastes nasty. I actually, of all the artificial sweeteners, I prefer um, Splenda. I prefer no artificial sweetener, but if I was going to have one, it would definitely be Splenda. It's I the least the best taste. I actually think the best tasting is xylitol. But sugar alcohols are problematic for most people on the, let's just say, on the flatulence front. <laughs> um, you can't I really consume have that them problem, in large. But, but even if I did, I wouldn't care because I'm already married and he stuck with me. Just there are actually a whole forum. The first time I encountered that, I was reading this forum about, does anybody, somebody asked the question on this forum, it's like, does anybody else really get the, really fart a lot after they have this? Like, oh, yes, with you know, sugar alcohols, there's a real problem with with, with farting afterwards. So um, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's a thing. It's a, apparently a very common thing. So you know, other than other than having xylitol in my, which is in my toothpaste, because it's very good for your gums and your mouth health. Um, so I, it's good in mint and gum. I don't have a problem with that. But like, if, if you get something that's like full on sweetened with it, like a food product, no, no. <laughs> not if you want to. Not if you want to keep your friends, man. <laughs> but I, I would more focus on um, problematic characters in May, like Loki. Um, the Winter Soldier, uh, Nebula. Um, I'm not sure how many I would need. I would need four or five. I would need five. Uh, wow. Okay. So, Hawk, so Hawkeye, Hawkeye, and Sam. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call Sam problematic. I, f- I find him a little bit problematic because I felt, well, just for me, because I felt like, but, you know, he was such a blind follower um, from the from just everything. Cause he, he, both, I, to me and Winter Soldier, both he and Natasha should have known better. You could almost forgive Steve's ignorance, even if you can't forgive his attachment to his ignorance. You could almost forgive the fact that he has it. But the other two... 
it just it was it was mind boggling. So oh. I said Get Nebula Loki, Hawkeye, Winter Soldier and Well, did you see what Margaret said? Nick Fury. <laughs> you know what? You're you're right, Margaret. You're hundred percent right. I watched um, Captain Marvel. I still haven't seen it. We have not made it to the theater yet. It's coming okay, soon. Well, I won't for you, but boom. I'm, def- boom. I'm definitely going to have to see it before Endgame because I have a right, feeling there's things I need to know. I totally agree. You need to see it before Endgame. I really Although if I wasn't... It, all- really? I did. I would have enjoyed it more if they hadn't done what they did at the very end in one of the end credit scenes. I just rolled my eyes. Well, I've, I mean, I avoid Facebook these days anyway. Facebook is not my friend. I go in there when I absolutely have to. And the last time I absolutely had to, at the very top of my feed, the first thing I found was a, a spoiler for Captain Marvel. And, you know, I'm just so sick of people who just think that, that them giving off, you know, this little piece of information and that little piece of information is not a spoiler. Because that was my experience with Infinity War, with people just kept dropping little bits of information um, that they said wasn't a real spoiler. And by the time I got to the theater, I knew the, every time a scene would happen, I knew the conclusion. I knew where that was going. I knew the whole movie. And I got to the end of it, and I was so disgusted because people on Facebook had basically given the whole movie away in their little teeny tiny dribs and drabs. Um, yeah, I've, I've been on there it, since Friday. I it just do. drives me crazy. I didn't post so a podcast I, today. I guess I, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to see um, Endgame much quicker because I was so. I just it actually ruined my enjoyment of, of Infinity War the first time I saw it. Even though it's a hard movie to enjoy, but what enjoyment there could be right had, um, was ruined by the, the fact that I was rolling. The thing is, that scene was so spoiled for me that I didn't even find it moving. That is sad. That's really like because right? that, that was the gut punch for me. It would have and it would have been great if I didn't see it coming, but everybody had ooed and awed and mooned over it, and to the point that by the time the end of the movie came, I'm like, well, the only thing that has ha- I got to the end of the movie, I'm like, the only thing that hasn't happened yet is Peter falling into Tony's arms. It's the only thing that hasn't happened yet. So Peter's going to dust. I mean, I knew it was going to happen because it was the only spoiler that people had things, things people had dropped that I hadn't seen yet. So I was already irritated, and I get to that point, and I went, yeah, I know exactly what's about to happen. And it happened. It lost all of its effect. So, you know, even, even people that I like, I kind of double-birded you over the spoilers, folks. I'm just saying. It was really fucking irritating. And it's not like I waited a long time to see it. I saw it in the first 10 days. So, yeah. <sighs> People in the spoilers, they just they just have to share. Um, what else do we have? 
like there's something else that happened today. We did another round of the 45-minute sprints. Um, we're going to keep – Kira kind of alluded to this. We're going to keep the 45-minute sprint channel where we kind of mothballed the 15-minute sprint channel. We're going to keep it um, – because a lo- it really was a very big divide. Like, a lot of people really liked it. And there were some people who were firmly in, they liked the 20-minute sprints better. And there were some people who were in the, it depends upon what I'm trying to write as to which. So because it was so popular, we decided we're going to keep the channel. And um, it will, which one's going on, it may depend upon, you know, if we could have both going on. We did that for a while today. If you're sprinting in one channel or the other, please mute the channel you're not in for your own peace of mind. For real. Um, I didn't do that at first. It was a mistake. The first time we had both sets of sprints running. And um, go with what works for you, you know. So go do the, I mean, And there is something to be said about for the longer sprint. Now, I, for me, if I'm going to write for a longer block, my body has gotten spoiled on the 20-minute sprints. I did not know how much my body needed breaks, a lot of breaks, to be happy and comfortable and energized. So... Uh, I've now discovered after, what, six weeks of writing in sprint style that I did two 45-minute sprints my body hated me. So I need a longer break than 15 minutes. So when I do the longer sprints, I will probably only go 40 minutes and set a timer to stop it early and then give myself a longer break. So if you're in that kind of mode where you only want to write 30 minutes or 40 minutes, don't feel like you have to write the whole sprint. This is your writing time. And you don't have to do the full thing. If you can't even do a 20-minute sprint, you can set your timer for 15 minutes and get up. So you do you. Yeah. The sprints are on um, our work channel, which is just right. We use Crossroads um, as the um, as our social channel. Um, and just where you can, you know, just end the podcast. Uh, but the Just Right server is for work. So, I mean, sometimes we goof off about our work, but, you know, we did move all this purely social stuff to this server, um, but sometimes we get a little punchy about what we're writing. So, yeah, maybe sometimes we get a lot punchy about what we're writing. Because sometimes crack uh, happens. Yes, sometimes crack happens. Now that we talk a little bit about when people ask questions for help, that you um that you that you treat it seriously um and in that vein um when someone um comes to you um on the server with a craft problem um please don't give them advice you know is bad i mean you think you're being funny but you're not it's disrespectful um and it it serves no purpose And it's irritating. I find it very fucking irritating. I, you know, I think sometimes people in fandom, um, the idea that they can treat their writing like a joke, and then therefore they can treat everybody else's writing like a joke. And if there is anything more offensive in this, in in when it comes to writing, I I, I can't think of it. I, you know, I treat other writers no matter what they write, I respect their craft. And I 
would really appreciate it if you guys would do the same in our spaces. If you want to be an asshole, take your butt to Facebook, show your ass. But when you're on our servers, don't be an asshole. I mean, it's just not too much to ask. It really isn't. <clears throat> so, that was me and my mom voice. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. That's what my mom voice sounds like. That's what that's what that's what I sound like when I'm telling my dogs that they're not behaving. Um so let's talk about chaptering. Um and uh it's a, it really isn't hard. Just don't be an asshole. I mean, you know, just just don't. Just don't. And um have just have a little fucking respect. But that's all I'm asking for. Um chaptering. Um, chaptering came up uh, people, um, some people find it very um, confusing so we're going to talk about it I'm out of ice cream Julie disappeared no, I was trying to – I was looking up some um, of, like, the advice that other people give, like, of how to give – how to chapter. We've talked about, you know, that, like, in the past that, like, chapters, it should have an arc, but in general that arc should be something that you can contain to between, like, four to 6,000 words. There's nothing wrong with a chapter that runs a little short or one that runs a little bit long. Um, but then in general, the general rule is you're trying to – create an arc and so you decide what scenes you're going to write and you write the flow of that so that they have kind of a peak and a little bit of falling action unless you're doing your one or two cliffhangers that you're doing Um, in which case you have no falling action you're interrupting right in the middle of the action we've we've talked about the kind of that rhythm Um, and I think that that is for some people kind of like can kind of get their head around that. And some people are just like, eh. Um, and, I, and it maybe that's, that's more of a plotting function and maybe it's a little bit difficult for pantsers. So the question I've talked to more than one pantser recently and more than one person in the QB who got to the end of their rough draft. So that's 50,000 words at least. And in some cases, 60, 70, 80,000 words that have no chapters. Um, well, I would say you hurt me. Is that you actually you hurt me. You actually do. You 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 have chapters. Here's the thing about people who who um um you read a lot, you write a lot. You have a natural rhythm in your novel, and it's just a matter of finding it. And I think that if you concentrate around the five thousand or six thousand mark per chapter, you, you're going to find your chapter breaks because. Because we've been exposed so much to the modern novel format, your brain is doing that for you. You have chapter picked. You just gotta, you just gotta find them. Yeah. So go to, you know, go to. You could even start at four thousand words. Start at your first four thousand words, and find where the next scene break is, or the where the next break in the action is, and consider it and go and then look at what's after that and go is this a good place to put a chapter in does this flow well 
And you're probably going to find a natural flow. And some people may naturally flow at around 8,000 words or so. It kind of depends upon, to a degree, what kind of stuff you've been reading. Some, I agree. some genres what you've been lend, toward, lend to much longer chapters than others. So, I mean, if you're reading a lot of YA, I'm thinking three, 4,000 words. If you're reading a lot of high fantasy, seven, 8,000 words, mm-hmm. Wouldn't be a surprise to yeah. me. And you're going to have that probably if you if you don't if you haven't like worked on how you're going to chapter your novel, your rhythm is probably going to fall in what you most commonly read. Um. Yeah, and Ash said that the only only chaptered fic she ever had, she wrote without chapters, and when she went back and reread it, she noticed where the break should be. Um, and I think that's pretty common, but if, you, if you're getting, you know, if you're reading your 50,000-word novel and you think your first reasonable chapter break is at 1,000 words, keep reading. That's not your first reasonable chapter length, because no novel length work should have 50 chapters. That's ridiculous. And I know that there, uh, it's a gimmick, and you see it, like in James Patterson books. It's just cheap. So, you know, maybe you wrote a prologue, maybe. Yes, a prologue could be very short. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes I've seen really effective prologues from under 1,000 words. So that could be, but a prologue has a very different vibe to the rest of the to the rest of the work. Same thing with an epilogue, and and it should. Otherwise, it's just another chapter. Um, for me, what I say about about scenes in a chapter that um, and each scene is a build that that it builds into my plot for my final for my my foundation, you know, the plot, my house, um, but. Um, there's usually an event in my chapter. We talked about this when we were talking episodes, that an episode is an event plus consequences or, or ramifications. It's about your ripples. And so when you're doing, like, um, episode format stories where you're telling um, different stories in the same series, like with Sentinels of Atlantis, it is event plus consequences. But when you're chaptering, it's event consequences and then lingering consequences into your next chapter. So you're kind of like sewing it together. But you also create pace with your chapters. When you want to slow your pace down, add 500, 600 words to your chapter. You'd be amazed what that does. And so like if you have chapters that are four or 5,000 words apiece, and you need to kind of slow down the middle of your novel, Give yourself a 6,000 chapter, a 6,000 word chapter. And then if you're in the action and you want to speed it up a little bit, go, um, go back down to 4,000. And that helps you create um, pace in your novel in a, in a very physical way, just like with um, shorter and longer sentences. And choppy dialogue versus, you know, your character going on a five-minute rant, which I don't recommend. Now, I'll say, but my chapter, I could talk about, like, 
I won't talk about the chapter I just posted because I know a lot of people haven't read it yet. But in in the second chapter of my rough trade, in, in the second chapter of Demons, the way I plotted that chapter was that the whole thing was going to be kind of like, um, couple, there were a couple of there were a couple of things I was trying to accomplish, but I really wanted to kind of explore what it was like for um, Sentinel struggling. Um, the function as a sentinel in the field because somebody was fighting their senses. Um, and I've kind of used something similar in um, another story, but they kind of got around it really easily, and I wanted this to be a bigger obstacle that ultimately they couldn't get around. And so because I had to add a scene to fix a flow problem that I had, the chapter as I had plotted it to be, because where I wanted to end the chapter was right at the right where the the basically the, the sensory issue had been handled with outside help, which was Jarvis Jarvis's help, and that's where I intended to end it was right there, and then pick up the next chapter in Tony's point of view and him finding out what's happened and how he reacted to it. So that was the way I wanted to do that chapter. But when I added an additional scene into it, it took me from a little bit of a long chapter to a very long chapter. And so I thought I would just lop that whole last um, scene off where that last scene where Dom reaches out to Jarvis, or he unintentionally reaches out to Jarvis for help. And um, I thought I'd just take that off and leave it off of the um, story so that the chapter was, quote, unquote, the right length. And poor Kira's got to see my neurotic, neurotic rambling about this in – chat while she was sleeping she wakes up to me rambling neurotically about my chapter length and and then I went fuck it I don't like that because it wasn't the way the chapter was designed to flow and so I'm not going to post it without that scene and so I wound up posting a long chapter um and that's okay you know it, it doesn't matter that it was I want to say that chapter was close to 7,000 words but I may be you know inflating it in my mind because it felt enormous your current, the one you just posted was 6,521 words. Yeah, because, yeah, it was, it was, it was three, three words short of 7,000. Um, and, yeah, and the current one, leaving, you know, I, I thought about with the current one, again, dropping off the last scene. But when I start trying to do that, carve off the arc of the chapter that I've plotted, this is what I did in November and I had the re- the ramifications of that restructuring was huge. It was huge. Um, so I typically, it, there are some scenes I can move without a problem and some restructuring that's a really big deal to move something. So I don't think the next scene would have worked. The next chapter would have worked as well as it did if I had moved that last scene in the beginning, because that feels like climax type moment at the end of chapter two um it feels like a, the big moment there? at the end as a, yeah as did she fall off or did i fall off no i'm here hello okay i can't hear you julie can you hear me now i can't hear you now what happened I don't know. I, I I was I was talking, but I could hear you, but you couldn't hear me. So I just unplugged my headset and plugged it back in. 
<laughs> okay. Anyway, that That's scene short. at the end of chapter two felt like it was the end of a chapter. It did not feel like the beginning of a chapter. I feel like a big bang like that at the beginning of a chapter would have been really awkward. So I just dealt with um, the fact that the chapter ran about 2,000 words long because I have shitty word economics. Let's just deal with that fact. <laughs> I just accept it and move on. I think sometimes, though, um, it's important to know the rules to establish your own pattern and your own rules for your work and then to know when to break them. Because it's always your goal to serve your story over your ego. Not that I'm saying you have an ego problem. You know what I'm saying? I know. Did she go away again? Which is... Okay. Okay. No. Can you hear me? (laughs) Yeah, I can hear you. Because serving my... Serving my ego would be trying to be technically perfect, honestly. I'm going to make this 5,000 words no matter what because, you know, I right. could, going, I can do that as opposed to serving what would make a better story. And I think the right. story is better for, was better for it being the way it was than me chopping that last scene off. From a technical point of view, um, this chapter could slow your pace down a little bit. Depending on what's happening in the chapter – and um, the length of the events and the length of your sentences and the length of your um, um, interactions with characters and the dialogue, it can slow you down a little bit. But you can pick that pace back up in your next chapter, especially if it's Which I don't. <laughs> it's, it's not. <laughs> I don't. But it, it, is a, it is a very squishy emotional chapter, so it actually probably brings the pace maybe even down a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. But it is a very interesting. But you're chapter, where are so. you? You're you're like what midway through your fic? No, you're, of you're almost. Well, you're at 18k, and your goal is 50. So your next chapter no, my, should my, put you right in the middle. Yeah, the next chapter. I mean, my goal was 30 until this chapter. Oh, well, yeah. Um, so if your next chapter puts you right in the middle of your word count, then I think your slowdown is perfectly fine, technically. Um, yeah. that, that's where I would slow down a little bit because you're going to ramp back up. You know, so you want to put the reader, you want to give the reader a little breather before you go all in. All in. All swords in. and everything. Spoiler. Swords, <laughs> hammers. I'm just kidding. I have this ridiculous attachment to sentinels carrying swords. I don't know why, but uh, it's like my head cannon that they prefer close combat weapons, even though they've adapted to modern weaponry. So that if they have the choice of killing someone with a blade or a gun, they're going to go for the blade. Um, um, and then in modern sentinels, just but that's why in uh, Stick Around, um, a lot of the sentinels on the street with the um, with the, uh, what's it called, with the Chitari were carrying swords is because that's, they like, they like strap on a sword and a gun and go to, go to it. So yeah, there'll be, I'm bringing the swords back in because <laughs> I can't stop myself. Yo, you know, with, with, with Tony and his nanotech, he can make Dom a sword that he can keep all the time. It can be activated. <laughs> 
Dom already has an activating sword all the time. Um, <laughs> I don't mean that one. <laughs> and Tony activates it just fine. I don't mean the one in his pants. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, you know, I actually um, I'm moving towards a very emotional moment in in my um, story. So um, instead of dealing with that like an adult, I I pants the penguin. <laughs> you pants the penguin. Wow. Yes. Okay. Yes, there there is no penguin. Those of you who have read my story, there is no penguin in my plot document. Well, there wasn't a penguin in my plot document and now there is. <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta have one of those. Sometimes you just need to pants a penguin. I Which yeah, sounds I like something you could be arrested for, but um a, yeah, my my penguin's name is Avery, and he's a little penguin um, or a fairy penguin, um, but he's an alien version of the fairy penguin, so he's got gills, so he can be um, on land or in the water, and um, Sebastian has kind of adopted him, and so he's trying to keep him as a pet. <laughs> he needs a little support penguin. Anyways, so that was like, because I don't deal with it, with emotions like an adult, I have inserted the penguin <laughs> into my story. <laughs> yeah, I pa- I sort of pantsed in a plot that I didn't have originally, but you know, whatever. So these things happen. It ultimately serves the story better, actually. That this plot point I added is there, but. Um. I really, really thought I was going to be able to write 30K and just call it done. Cute little romance, be done. Nope, plot, double-birded my own story. (laughs) I actually originally thought I was going to plot, and actually I plotted three times. And the first time I plotted it was like 30K-ish. And I was like, that's not really, I don't, it's not how I feel about that. And so I replotted, and it was like, Again, 30K-ish, and I just wasn't happy with the result. And now I've got, let's see, I've got 94 original plot points. I've added nine plot points. So do the math, somebody. Somebody else do the math because I'm mathed out. So 94 plus 8, 102. 102. Isn't it 102? It is 102. I think that's a typo. So, and then. Oh, and one. a penguin, 103. That's what she just put. Did you see what she put? 102 plus a penguin, Oh no, I, I timed a penguin. <laughs> Oh, she counted the penguin. Okay, and one, two, three, four, five. And I've marked out five plot points. So so I have 96 plot points. And I am on plot point 46 out of 96. 
and I'm at 22K. So you're going to hit 50K. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I've had a few here that are um, like, okay, like that point is like 500, but then I've got one plot point that's at least 2,000 words. So, so Avery. I'm about a third of the way through my plan. We shall see if how that rolls out with me because that can be very unpredictable because I am terrible about estimating word count on things lately. Sometimes I'm much better at it than others, but man, when I get, especially in the MCU, I don't know what about what it is about that, but I cannot estimate my conversation lengths. She saved my life. I do much better about they that have a, pure NCIS. Tony has a lot to say. He does have a lot to say. He, he's just he's been emotionally constipated most of his life, and he needs to just get that stuff out. Plus, so, there's, but I, yeah, I, 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 yeah. I, I think another factor is that I'm fixing, I'm fixing the move in. I'm I'm about to have my first big plot point for Finding Atlantis. Um, it's like the. Uh, It's big, so it's, I don't want to spoil it. I'm a little static um, horrible. You have, you're going to have your first big plot point since what? Oh, it's just my biggest. It's going to be my my push to what the theme of the story is, you know, finding Atlantis. Oh, okay. So they're about to have a big, a big moment. So. I actually don't think it's a new species of emotional support therapy animal. I just don't think people understand how how good penguins would be at it. I think they would be excellent. I think penguins would be excellent emotional support animals. No, uh, well, maybe the the park thing, I think they could cry, but no, this this big event's going to be like a, oh shit. Not a, oh no. <laughs> More than your last oh shit moment? Yeah. Wow. That was a pretty big oh shit moment. Yeah, little alien penguins. Well, if you're in a pants something, it might as well be a penguin. I'm just saying. Just don't get arrested. Don't get arrested. <laughs> <laughs> that should just be like the... The the piece of advice you give after every sentence, just don't get arrested. <laughs> I'm going to the store. Don't get arrested. That's what we're going to say for now. <laughs> Next time you say you're going to Walmart, we're going to say, don't get arrested. <laughs> just don't get arrested. And the biggest reason is because there's no Wi-Fi. Let's just be real. Yeah. I mean, you know, you don't get to keep your stuff. You have to- you can't have your computer or your phone, and and and, and there's no Wi-Fi, and that's just that's cruel, and unusual punishment. <laughs> yeah, it is. They'd give you an unfettered computer time. I'd be like, okay, take me to jail. 
I just need I just need word and an, uh, some uh, internet connection. I'll just send all my porny stories to Kira and she can post them for me. <laughs> <laughs> Crockles from the big house. <laughs> yes, exactly. Orange the really isn't Crockles. the new black, Kira. <laughs> <laughs> it looks good on no one. Yeah, what is it? Don't get caught. <laughs> Whatever you do. But okay, so um to kind of coincide with chaptering, we talk about point of view breaks, um and um how why you should never ever in a million years do them. It's um it's bad craft to do a POV break. When you're shifting POV in a scene, um there are transitions that you can do um to make it smooth. Uh, and you don't want to, as a rule, um, shift your POV more than once in a single scene. Um, and if you are careful with it, it'll be so smooth your reader won't stumble. You should never have to do a POV break. You should never have to label your POV. Those are bad crafts. I usually stick to one point of view in a scene. Um, that's my preference because it just isn't as comfortable for me to try to, I, I tend to view a scene through one lens, but there are times when it is really the only way for me to accomplish something is to switch a point of view mid scene. And either that or I rehash information that it just, it's cleaner to just let the POV change happen and so, um, I, but I would say it's less than less than two percent of the scenes I've ever written. Uh, anything on my site, less than two percent are going to have a POV change mid scene. It's just it, it it's just not the way I write. But I know how to do them. I absolutely know I, them. because I POV for me is is usually about transitioning and, and advancing the story. Um, especially mm-hmm. in what I'm doing now with Finding Atlantis is like, you know, in my last chapter, I moved from Sebastian's point of view into John's as um, we were in the infirmary. And um, because it was important to move into John's POV for the rest of the scene and what came after that. And I needed a natural place to do it. And it seemed like that was the best way. And that's what you got to do. You got to pick your natural moments to change your POV, especially when you're moving in from one scene to another without a scene break. If you're changing locations without a scene break, which you absolutely can do. I've got a perfect example currently up on rough trade where I did in fact, uh, change locations without breaking scenes. So you don't need to do a chapter break or a scene break to change locations with your characters if it's the same characters moving, like, say, for instance, to the city of Atlantis, going from one place to the other as they, you know, move around. But you want to break your scene when you're having a uh, a location shift and a time shift well, what was the thing we said that there there had to be at least two of the three location, time, and POV. One of two of the three right. should be t- should typically be present. Now there are 
the one exception I can think of to that rule would be a very significant time jump is where you could justify it where you're in the same location and the same point of view, but it's a week later, you probably should do a scene break. Um, right. But typically just typically short time, time jumps, um, POV change, scene uh, location change. You need two of the three to warrant a scene break. Uh, and if you've got all three, you definitely need a scene break. Otherwise, you're just going to confuse your reader. Yeah, it's very really hard to follow when, when all three elements change at one time. Dark Seraphina mentioned flashbacks. and I'm of the opinion that um, you should almost never, ever, ever, ever use a flashback at all. Um, I have one flashback, I think, on my site, maybe two, probably just one. Um, and it's in um, the final episode of Sentinels of Atlantis, the season finale of season one. Um, Allison has a flashback about her and Anne. Um, but I use that as a tool in her process because she's at that moment processing what she thinks is the end of her life. She thinks she's going to die. And so she's going back in her mind to a moment where everything came together for her and she she realized that her sentinel um, could be so much more than just her sentinel. And so this was a pivotal moment for Allison and Anne, and she sought comfort in that, um, in what she thought was the last moments of her life. So the, so the flashback served a great, great big purpose in her characterization. Otherwise, I never would have done it in a million years <laughs> because I can't yeah. stand a fucking flashback. <laughs> well, and sometimes if your character is, living through a flashback like an actual flashback like they're having a like a they've been they're having some sort of post-traumatic stress thing or whatever that could that that's a a very immediate kind of thing that you would need a flashback for but there are ways to write that um because you almost don't want your reader to know that it's a flashback when it starts if you want it to be effective it needs to become apparent as you're writing. Same thing with dream sequences. It's one of those things where you want it. Dream sequences are, can oftentimes include a flashback in them. Uh, and usually you want it to become apparent as the dream progresses that it's a dream sequence as opposed to labeling it dream sequence. Um, you know, don't do that. So, But a lot of people, if you look up like – in terms of like the narrative device of a flashback, there are ways to build little mini flashbacks into your um, narrative without jarring the reader at all, or even making them think you've done a flashback. And it's just it's authors, the authors who do it well, you don't even notice they're doing it. It's just, they've blended in a little glimpse into the past just by changing the verb tenses they use, and then they flow back into the present, and it's maybe for two paragraphs, and they're done. And you don't even notice that they've inserted a flashback because they don't do something jarring like break, put a label on it, put the whole thing in italics, you know. Yeah, Yeah, honestly, italics is not a really good idea for dreams or flashbacks because it creates a reading problem, especially in devices. Um, I don't recommend it um, because it uh, creates a very difficult reading experience for your reader. And most publishers and editors won't let you do it. 
they'd be like, no, 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 no. You're going to have to transition this because we can't have a page and a half of italics in your novel <laughs> or even two pages it's hard. three pages. It's, a hard, it's hard to read. It's very yeah. hard to I mean, read. It and creates some, some, a... Um, it also can create a, uh, what's it, what's that thing with curling? Um, it can create an actual physical textual problem in your manuscript when it comes to putting it in print or putting it on yeah. an ebook. Um, so is that curling? That changes the spacing with the, curling, thank you, that changes Kerning. the spacing yeah. and everything. Yeah. So, yeah, so be careful with that. Um, it's it's best. I'll transition into a flashback. I was actually really proud of my flashback on the search because it wasn't something that I wanted to do at all, but I knew I needed it to to give her that. um, I needed to give Allison that because she thought she was going to die. And um, I did a really good job of it. And people didn't even call me out for using a flashback when they know how much I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Kira uses, speaking of italics, like Kira, Kira's current font face of the moment is Garamond, uh, which is a beautiful serif font. I like it very, very much. It has the one of the worst italic faces, in my I opinion, agree. ever. I hate it yeah. with a passion. Like every time a single italic word displays in Garamond, I want to stab my screen. Uh, it's such a curly little thing that um, it almost – it almost turns the serif face into a script font. It's so curly and it just drives me absolutely bonkers. So a bunch of italics and a font like that would drive me crazy. So you have to be really careful about you know, using more I than one or two words. Garamond on my site for reading. That's why I use, I think I'm using, I was using Laura, which is a um, Google font. Um, but I might have changed it recently, but I try to pick a font that is, well-rounded, and then when it's in italics, it's more just of a slant than a just a full-on in-your-face kind of curly experience, because that can be very it can be straining for your eye. So, um, I I have a I have a conversation that's being overheard. I've always been... you know, I was all the funny thing is I was taught with formatting to if somebody's speaking and being heard who isn't present in the room, that their dialogue should be in italics. I was taught that way. Um, I have since changed that to the B. I don't do that anymore. Um, that if somebody is, um, if they're directly involved in the conversation, um, with the person in the room that I don't need the italics, but if they're overhearing something that I do still put that dialogue in italics because that person is not participating in the conversation, they're being overheard. So like when I, when I write in stuff that's being overheard over communication systems, that is not part of the, not part of the dialogue with the POV character, I do still italicize it, but man, in my most recent chapter, that went up with a, a lot more italics than I was happy with to the point that I'm pondering that I'm not sure I'm going to be able to stick with my own role because it was so irritating. I am using Laura both on Rough Trade and my own site because it does have a very um, understated italics. It's L-O-R-A. That that is a Google font, but it's really easy for you guys to download. I've been thinking about downloading it from my computer and using it um, as a font 
to write in because I, I really like it. It's, it's very soothing. I think I'm using, I want to say I'm using Futura, but I may, that may not be accurate on my computer, the on my system. The last I got from you, you were using um, Calibri Light. I use, I use Calibri Light um, in Word, but I don't use that on, I, that is my preference to write in as I prefer Calibri Light. Um, but on my site, I that's not what definitely not what I use on my site because um, the Calibri Light is is a Microsoft I believe that's like a Windows or I mean a, I think it's a Microsoft font you can pretty much only get in Microsoft products that certainly is not available. Um, but yeah, I picked I picked I picked a very similar looking font for my. For my site, because uh, I do tend to prefer um, sans serif fonts, because uh, sometimes when I'm having like visual acuity issues because of my astigmatism, the little the little you know the little serifs of the little lines that are off the edges of the letters in serif fonts can make them harder for me to read, which is why I don't tend to use them for my writing or my website. But if you go to that link I just gave you for the Laura font, you can download it straight from Google to use. And um, yeah, pretty cool. It's a very pretty. It's a very pretty font. Google has some really nice. Um, I like Satisfy too. I've been using it for my um, my uh, title, my my titles on my site. I changed Rough Trade just a few minutes ago to the same thing because it's so pretty. <laughs> Change rough trade. I'm reloading a page so I can see. Oh yeah, that is very pretty. Uh, I hate that J, dude. I hate that J. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have I have issues. I have issues with the J's. You know, can I say? I have issues with the J. Very few fonts J's make her happy. This is very true. It, it's an issue. We've we've done we did a big I actually um um I think that J is really pretty. I don't like with 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 a with a with a um what's it called? A top, I know. With a with with a handwriting J. I, I could do do it with a with a regular print J, but with a hand with a handwriting font, I don't like the cross the crossbar. It just drives me bonkers. But yeah, we actually on one on the on the on the on one thing I actually just used an eraser in Photoshop to take the crossbars off. Yeah, I use Futura. <laughs> um no. I use Century Gothic on my site. But we all did that experiment where we where we moved our font to um to Comic Sans and everybody was like, Holy shit. And that's actually how I finished Darkly Loyal. I was like, okay, okay, Comic Sans, you wanna, you, I'm gonna give you a real test. I'm gonna open something that I haven't been able to finish in three years. Let's see how you do. Okay. <laughs> that works startlingly well. It, and I it, it does Darkly work. Loyal. It does it work crazy. from a 
it does work from a writing perspective for me too. I don't think it works. It wasn't quite as as noticeable for me as like a, like uh, that I I'd heard it was for some other people, but it definitely gets me out of my head and gets me just kind of you know going just writing. Uh, and I and I but I I think it's because I have a hard time reading it is why it keeps me from micro editing is because I'm not seeing it very well. I know it's the better font for some people to read, especially like with dyslexia and stuff. It's because every letter is not consistently the same. I think that's that they've I've read some things about why that works the way it does. But it it has the opposite effect for me. Like when I get something in Comic Sans, it's like my brain shuts down. I go, I can't read that. So yeah, apparently be, it, one thing is that I'd read was that it, it because each letter kind of is very different. There's not like a lot of common shapes. It, it's easier to visually track the changes in the letters. So I have. But I think for me, because that's the reverse of that, is the lack of uniformity actually makes it harder for me to read, that it keeps me from micro-editing myself as I write. So it actually is very effective at helping me get through some writing blocks and just keep going and not second-guess second my word choices and stuff. So it's good from a writing perspective, I just, but then I turn right around and immediately change it. I was just startled. I was like, what? <laughs> this is just crazy, Kate. Like, look at that. I'm done. It works. I was like, holy shit, I'm done. Now I gotta edit this motherfucker. Thanks, Comet fans. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I wanted to spend my Christmas. But yeah, <laughs> I, if, if you're having a hard time writing. Just just change your font to Comic Sans and see what happens. But it's crazy. It's crazy. I don't even understand. It's just crazy. <laughs> I think this is this weird brain. It's like some kind of brain trick. It's just it just kind of throws you into a different headspace or something. I can't even explain it. It's really weird. I did go back to my regular font though after a while, but um. But if you ever hit another block, you can try that as your breakthrough technique. I um, I'm writing a uh, Harry Potter Sentinel, um, the Lion and the Raven, or the Raven and the Lion, the Raven and the Lion, and um, uh, Harry is using his his ability to hear different conversations around the castle. Um, and so whenever he's eavesdropping on somebody, I have to drop into italics. <laughs> and I'm like, killing me. But if I, but it doesn't make any sense not to. Because he's eavesdropping on somebody across the castle. He's not in the room with them. So I need to do it in italics, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, all, that's been my rule for a while. Is if, 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 if it's somebody, if, if the point of view character is hearing a conversation that they are not a participant in, that it's in italics. So, yeah, it drove me crazy in my last chapter, too. I was like, Tony's overhearing this. It has to be italicized. He's not participating in it. And then, I'm, you know, I made a terrible face at myself. But sometimes you're (laughs) overhearing a long chapter. Okay, I'm I'm going to read something to you. I'm not even going to say where this came from, really, but 
it co- okay. I'll say it comes from a fairly credible source. This is regarding jumping back to the chapter thing. Um, and this is, you can, if you really struggle with chapters, do some Googling about how to do your chapters. This is not the way I learned, and I completely disagree with it. I'm just going to say that up okay. front. I completely disagree with it. <sighs> it pains me to read this, but here, I'm going to do it anyway. Your first draft is no place to think about chapter structure. While I'm a big fan of outlines and planning, I'm also a fan of getting it written and out of your head. It's possible to spend so much time in your plotting and planning that you never end up writing anything. I do agree with that part. When penning your first draft, don't worry about sectioning your story into chapters. Chances are high that whatever you write in your first draft will get mixed up, divided, and added to other sections, if not tossed altogether. I don't agree. If you lock your narrative into chapters too early in the writing process, you'll suffocate your creativity. I really don't agree with that. Instead, wait until you're in the editing phase to think about the structure of your story. Oh, my God. It's during the editing phase when you're the most effective at correcting flow, pacing, and logic. True. Once you know the basic story, the characters, and the main plot points, you can organize the story into sections that complement the reader's journey. I double-birded this advice, but I'm just saying this comes from a very credible source, so if this is your jam, go for it. I do not agree that having some structure for your story up front or thinking about a chapter when you're about to write it and where it's going to stop and start is stifling your creativity. But if it stifles yours, there is plenty. There are there's plenty of advice out there for you in how to chapter your book when you're done. That hurt me. I want you guys to know, but I did that for you. Who said this shit? <laughs> it was. It's a site called. <laughs> well, the, the 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 advice on Writer's Digest gave me absolute hives. So, um, more so than that advice right there. This came from New York Book Editors. Ah, okay. Here's the thing. I think you need to do what makes you comfortable. And if you're not comfortable chaptering as you write, then don't. But I am not that person. If I could not chapter as I wrote. Unless I don't plan to chapter at all. Like, I have some kind of semi-long novellas on my site that are not chaptered because I never intended on chaptering them. But if I'm writing, like, a novel, 50 to 100K, I'm chapped as I write. And if I'm not chaptering as I write, I'm not writing. I need that structure. I need to know where I am. I need that roadmap and the trees and Mm-hmm. And the stream and and the bridge. What, what else was it, Margaret? <laughs> and I and I need to know where I'm stopping to get a burger. So I need to know these things. I am not my mother and my sister. Yeah, my mother and my and sister can get on the, on the road for a road trip and not book hotels and not know where they're going. I can't do that. What? I don't like it. I don't want to do what? it. I know, right? <sighs> what if they have no idea how to I, they want. They wound up staying in some attic in like some weird B and B one time because they couldn't find another place and they were exhausted in a fucking prison town, and I was like, I can't even with you people. So you know, this is the downside to not planning. But anyway, um, 
just because totally, Lady Holder just confessed in the chat room that she put in her um her her chapters after in in her QB after she was finished writing, and that actually makes a whole lot of sense to me that she would do that because she's a diehard dancer, and um, just knowing what I know about her craft and and how she writes and seeing her rough drafts in the past, that is not something that surprises me at all. And so no highs. I you know I'm not a pantser as a rule, and I've done it, but even when I'm pantsing, I still chapter. <laughs> Yeah, now I will say that I do sit down and plan my chapter when I'm about to start it. So I have my plot, and I sit down and I go, okay, I'm about to start on chapter four. This is what the piece of plot that comes next, and this is what I think I can accomplish in 5,000 words. Now, the only time I would diverge from that is if I get halfway through my chapter plan and I'm at 5,000 words. And then I might go, oh, well, this chapter is going to have a part one and a part two. Which is not typical. Usually I'll just let myself go long. Sometimes I go short. It actually has happened that I have gone under 5,000 words. Um, but, well, I know that my next chapter is going to be four plot points. I have four plot points I need to, I, I, that I must cover in the same chapter because um, they're all connected and they're all um, building on one another and separating them would be ridiculous. Right. So I sit down and I do the same thing. I look at the next chapter and I go, okay, this is the section that I'm covering next. I don't number my plot points, but I go, okay, this is the next, this is what I'm covering next. And in my head, I will know, I, I, because I know it's going to be a chapter, I'm going to be creating an arc for how that's going to flow so that it feels like it has its own rhythm. It has a, it has a little bit of a mini arc of its own. And sometimes that runs long and sometimes it runs short and that's just the way it goes. But I can't imagine for me, I don't think it stifles my creativity one tiny bit to decide what I'm going to put in the next chapter when I sit down to write it. Um, I number my parts so that if I'm having an issue in my rough draft, Sometimes I will put a note for myself using the note function, and I will put the plot number points that I'm having issues with uh, attached to that note so that when I come back and it's time to do my rough draft, my, my second draft, I can go back to the section where I was in my plot document, and I've got my numbers down as to what I wanted to address, and sometimes it will help me get there. So that's why I number mine. So it's it's an organizational thing. And sometimes the numbers get moved around. Like I moved point forty eight in between where did it go? I put I put uh I put plot number I put plot event forty five between thirty seven and thirty eight. <laughs> well so, sometimes you that's exactly what happens. between twenty nine. Yeah. So but, and by numbering them, I'm able to keep track of what I'm doing with all my shit. So it's just more of a, a memory thing for me. You don't have to number yours. I number mine for organizational purposes. I don't because um, I move so many of my plot points around that it would be a hot mess. So my my list is in often in something of it's some sort of. I'll have the the big stuff in a dependency order and everything else is kind of hit or miss. But anyway, I just, I don't find for me that, that figuring out a chapter plan 
when I, when I approach the chapter, I'm not – because she's talking about, like, overplotting, that you'll overplan and you'll never get anything written. And I, I agree that overplanning, you can be a detriment to getting anything done. Um, and there are people if, if, who storyboard and scene map, and, and they plan every chapter down like it was like it was a movie they were making. And if that works for them, that's great. But I haven't found any people that that actually works for. For most people, that actually is a detriment to their, create, their productivity, um, which is why I just take my plot document and go, okay, well, what's my next chapter going to be? And I usually have a rough idea of two or three chapters out, but I'm not afraid to change it if I need to. And then I just plan. I figure out what today's work is going to look like. So I, I don't find that stifles me. But if it stifles you, then this is good advice for you. I don't think it's good advice for the reason that she says it is. But I do think it's good advice if you find making a chapter, chaptering your work is, is, is messing you up. Don't do it. Do it later. But yeah, I mean, just do what's comfortable for you. But um, yeah. Now I did. Have, I think that, I did have. Uh, <laughs> our little, our little, latent, our little. Uh, there's a little. What do you call it? We're a little behind each other, like. So there's there's a couple oh, of seconds, which is why sometimes we talk over. Yeah, we talk over each other a little bit. Um. I it it took me a long time to develop my process, and so it's perfectly okay to to work through various processes until you find the one that works for you. And if it works for you, don't let anybody fuck it up. I agree. Now, I did have one person I talked to tell me they don't do they hadn't put their scene breaks in yet. <laughs> I kind of I kind of froze a little bit. I didn't even know how to respond to that because scene breaks there's actually like those are a lot more objective than subjective um i can't imagine changing a scene and not putting the break in i don't even know how that works i i didn't want to dig into it though because that's somebody else's process and they needed to go back in and put their scene break in scene breaks in um and their chapter breaks (laughs) so basically anything any kind of break needed to go in um I recommend, if if you don't want a chapter, I do recommend that you recognize when your scene is over. Learn to recognize that and just go ahead and put the three asterisks in and move on. Um, But, you know, whatever gets you through. If you're comfortable going back in and putting your scene breaks in later, (laughs) go for it. I... hmm. The thought of having to go back and put my scene breaks in after the fact gives me heartburn. I don't even know what to do with that. Me too. Bless your heart. Me too. Because I can't, I can't imagine not recognizing that my scene is over. But, um, okay. It hurts my feelings. It hurts my feelings. I hope you're okay. <laughs> I had a, I had a moment. I, I had a moment. I will admit, I, there, I definitely had a moment. I meant the it author. Was sort of like, yeah, you too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I'm fine. They're fine. <laughs> Be worried about me, damn it. <laughs> I don't want to know what to say. <laughs> I tell my mom, I guess this was about a year ago, my mom is just bitching, 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 bitching about something. And I, um, we're getting out of the car, and we get out of the car, and I 
I'm looking over um, the top of the SUV at her, barely, because we're both short. And I was like, yeah, it's all about you. And she said, well, who else would it be about? I was like, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I am the center of my own universe. Thank you very much. I was like, okay, Mama, okay. It's all about you. But, yeah, I mean, I think um, recognizing your scene breaks and then, you know, keeping track of all that stuff is a very good idea. Um, And um, the work you can do naturally as you're writing your rough draft saves you work that you'll have to do in your second draft. And tracking becomes very naturally to me. Now, I will say, if you are a writer who does a draft zero, don't chapter. I completely agree with that. But I would say the number of writers who do a draft zero are almost uh, – I, I, I can't say that I actually know any. Uh, maybe I've met one. Because a draft zero is just such an odd – to me, it's just such an odd little thing. Um, it, it is the pre-rough draft. So imagine that. It's basically like a really long – synopsis with some dialogue um it's basically almost like storyboarding in written form and if that's you i yeah i would probably say you shouldn't drop your chapter breaks in yet you need to really get actually a rough draft done first but but like i said i i don't i haven't encountered any draft zero people or zero draft people in the rough trade or on just right so far uh, I, I just haven't run across it in 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 fan fiction so um it's it's an it's a peculiar thing in in my opinion um i've seen it more with people who are script writers um than i have with people who are novel writers but i do have a friend that basically writes a synopsis as her plot she writes a detailed synopsis as her plot document. Now, I will say the zero draft model I used to use for writing research papers, which is a completely different thing to writing a novel. Um, so if for me, taking that thing that works really, really well for sketching out the outline for a research paper and plunking it into fiction, it, it just does not compute. So, but yeah, I can't imagine writing a single paragraph for each chapter of my novel and using that as a um as a an outline, a plot document. That is a compute for me. I need basically a list of plot events. That's what and that's what my plot points are. They're events. Um and I need a I need a list of events that I may or may not move. <laughs> and I print it out. It's currently printed out on my desk right now. I scribble all over it, and um, I make notes on the side, and I make notes on the back of the sheets. And I mean, there was practically no white left on the pages of my um, Quantum Bang story, and I almost just said the title. I'm going to make it. I am. I'm going to make it. It's going to be a complete fucking surprise to like 99.9% of you. I I didn't know if I would make it because I needed um 
a Canon alpha reader um, who knew the Canon really well. And um, and I, I've revealed a little bit of something there because you guys know if it was SGA, I'd just go to Kira or Lady Holder. But um, anyway, so I needed to sanity check some stuff, and uh, I couldn't just ask that. Because you can't just say, I need an alpha reader for this fandom. <laughs> that kind of gives shit away, doesn't it? So Yeah, it does. And it doesn't even rule out NCIS, because I know NCIS pretty well, but there's some shit I'm not willing to watch. So I'm just saying. Um, and there's movies in the MCU I haven't haven't uh, seen. And so there's there's a lot of things I write I in have not that seen, I... I've not seen Ant-Man. I've not seen Ant-Man and the Wasp. And I have not seen Captain America Civil War. But I did read synopsises for all three. <laughs> yeah. Well, but like even even Civil War, I I knew that I would need a um alpha reader to, to not so much for the overall story, but to for those events to be sure that I got them right. Um Anyway, so, and so I thought I was going to have to, like, put up something and say, I need an alpha reader for this fandom to check this, you know, some, some sections of my story. And finally, I just um, said, fuck it. I'm just, I just went to somebody I knew who knew that, Canon, and said, Will you, would, you, would you be considered doing this? And they said yes. So it worked out. I didn't have to spill the beans. And it turns out I didn't fuck um, up Canon. So who knew? Yeah, you didn't fuck up Canon at all. Um, not that I knew for sure, because I'm not, you know, but whatever. Um, fortunately, everybody involved in my process was pretty on point as far as Canon goes. <laughs> so. And where we weren't, we had our Google Foo. Yes, we did. But um, it wasn't and I'm not also- trying to be a fixie. But I think you guys are really gonna like it. Um, I'm I'm really proud of my work on my quantum bang. I know you'll like her 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 story. Um, I, I love wanna, yours. I just want to mention I'm waiting am, very patiently, Lady Holder, for the file. Oh, is she still with? Is she still withholding? Ha, ha, she's ha. she's editing. I'm waiting for your oh, file editing. so I can start my beta. Unless you're not going to use me for a beta. Are you not using me for a beta? This is my hurt voice. <laughs> I'm a gas. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good night, Jeep. It's not often that, that I get to be a gas. <laughs> Did you, you know, did you know that gruntled is a word? It, I did know. It's an unfortunate word. It doesn't sound right. I would never want to tell somebody that I was gruntled. <laughs> but it's amazing, too, because then they pause. It's like, didn't you mean disgruntled? No, no, no. I mean, No, gruntled. I mean that I'm. I mean that I'm very I'm pleased totally right grumbled. now. I'm pleased. I'm totally pleased grumbled. and gruntled do not sound like they belong together. No. I'm pleasantly gruntled. Are you? <laughs> gruntled sounds, sounds actually like a sex noise. 
please mm. it. It does. I do want to say, though, that I usually – I actually am not typically worried about changing canon, but I do like to know the canon that I'm changing. So don't anybody feel like they need to bug me about being a canon slave because that is not the issue ever. It is that – Yeah, you need to know the el- rules before you can break the rules. Yeah. Well, at – that's just the way I work is that I prefer to know the canon that I'm setting. aside. Now, this is not like a Sentinel thing because in the Sentinel, you can take the fan and world building, never know a thing about the Sentinel and write. But if I'm, if I'm like immersed in a canon or really relying on the canon from a movie or a TV show or something, um, where I don't need to contradict the canon, I'm probably going to try not to. That's but just also my, when you're just my thing. Fix it, you got to know what you're fucking fixing. Yes, which means you do have to have more you have, to, you have to at least understand some of the elements of canon. So I need to be sure I understand what elements I'm changing. So that's why I needed some canon assistance on a piece that I couldn't verify on my own. Or perhaps I should say I wasn't willing to verify. <laughs> that's more that's more accurate. <laughs> because Someone else had already done that work. They'd already been through that labor, and I didn't see any point not to leverage their assistance. <laughs> okay, okay, so, so did we, I, I think we we've exhausted question. the topics. So we need a question. Is, is there a question? Point of view. I thought there was something else that we were supposed to talk oh, about. Oh, adverbs. Adverbs. I know Stephen King says there's a devil, but... I love adverbs almost as much as I love a semicolon. And you'll take both of them out of my cold, dead hand. Yes. Um, I agree that adverbs are overutilized in a lot of writing, in my own writing. If I'm struggling to make the word count on um, a prompt that's a little bit too long, I'll just go through and search for L-Y and see if I can dump any of the adverbs that I've used. Or search on the word very. It's not uncommon in a rough draft to have too many of these, but to have none at all. Um, And the only reason this came up, and I'm not pointing the finger at anybody, but somebody posted a meme about a writing challenge where you try not to use a common list of adverbs. Um, When they had that list was so S-O. Because I have noticed recently, so yeah, I use the word so a lot. So 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 so. Yeah, I do use I. Well, in the function that it is disposable, they're not always disposable. Not every so is disposable. But when you're using it as an interjection, interjections by their definition are not necessary parts of the sentence. Therefore. You don't right. always need them. But when the so is meaning the next logical thing, meaning you're using it as a um, conjunction, you can't just get rid of them. So the list of adverbs that were being go we, go a week without using very, rather, really, quite, so, of course, or in fact. Um, huh. A lot of these are adverbs. They're not all adverbs. Some of them are interjections. But it's 
comes back to we had a whole com we had a whole podcast about pithy advice, right? Um, yeah, pithy advice, right? What you know? Yeah. So, the single worst piece of advice I ever got as a writer, and the single worst piece of advice I ever gave as a writer, is to write what you know. <laughs> yeah. Um. If I'm just going to write what I know, I'm going to be writing all my stories about, you know, a writer who lives in San Francisco. And there's plenty of those out there already. Think about right? it. But what um, I would say, what I said, what I said in that, po- that podcast was is that the advice should be learn everything you can, then write what you know. I agree. That's much that should, better advice. That should be the advice. And so that should be what you put on your bulletin board or on your refrigerator with some stick figures, whatever. So whatever when, you see advice like, when you see advice like this and you see um, what this is saying, giving you basically three adverbs and three interjections that are overused and telling you if you want to tidy up your writing to stop using them. No. It's more about becoming aware and it's like Stephen King saying never to use adverbs. Well, Stephen King uses adverbs. He just doesn't use L-Y adverbs. But Stephen King always used to put things in parentheses. So, you know, even his writing has evolved. So um, the thing is, is that look at overused things, overused devices in your writing. And when you're editing, consider them. Consider taking them out. Consider reducing them. Do you use too many interjections? Use less. One of the things I've been doing a lot lately in my writing is taking out interjections. I have too many wells, so, but, you know, there's too many of those kinds of things that don't need to be there. And certainly over-modifying is a problem. Like, if everything is done slightly, then it's like, what's the point of using the word? It ceases to have meaning you take some of it out. But that's something you can do with deliberation in your editing and look at in the final draft. But just taking them out of your writing could mean you wind up putting a whole bunch of them in. That could be exactly what happens to you is you wind up reading your story and going, wow, this all seems a little, hmm, a little, it might come across choppy. There's a lot of things that could happen. Your dialogue could feel stilted. So it's just just whenever you get a piece of advice like that, take it with a grain of salt and consider that your writing might be improved by reducing something, but very rarely is your writing improved by completely eliminating something. I'm talking about in terms of actual language. I don't mean like talking to your readers or crazy crap like that. Your your writing is much improved by never talking to your readers at the end of a sentence, like, you know, putting something in parentheses and saying, you know what I mean, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Don't talk to your reader, um, not even when you're writing first person, maybe even especially when you're writing first person. Um, someone mentioned earlier um, passive voice. Um, for those of us who write consistently in, in past tense, um, in third-person past tense, uh, there is a the there's a pitfall there of 
accidentally falling into a passive voice when you're writing. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that for me, I find most of my passive voice problems in my second draft when I'm, you know, going through my editing. And that's when I find where I've actually weakened my narrative by moving into a passive voice instead of saying, you know, this makes something instead of this is. Like, um, say, for instance, um, uh, John's schedule makes him feel restricted. John's schedule is restrictive. Is, is better because it's a direct statement. I'm having a hard time thinking of others. Go ahead. It's, well, it's my usually head. where it, it's where the um, so like the, the, the classic example is stuff like um, uh, the like the ball thing, right? Um, um, the ball was thrown to Harry as opposed to Harry caught the ball. Or Bob threw the ball, right? Bob throwing a ball, Harry catching a ball, both are subjects that have action with them, as opposed to the ball was thrown, which the ball. It, it, so it's 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 a it's where it, it has to do with subject and object. Um, um, Uh, the broken zat was fixed by Rodney, as opposed to Rodney fixed the zat. You know that would that's right. passive and un, it, it, active is much more active, as opposed to it seeming like the object has the action because that's where passive voice comes in. And you, like what general, the thing is versus fixed, right? The right. Way. Yeah, and so it and the thing is there are there are there are occasions where I have looked at something and gone that's passive voice and I'm not minding it. It's not right. always wrong, but in general you do it is better to be in active voice, which is where the subject is taking action. That's active voice. Whereas passive voice is a little bit more like action is happening to the subject. It's that's a little overly simplified, but it is hard though to get out. As Kira said, third person past tense is almost it almost makes it hard to see the passive voice. Um, and I'm actually not great at it at, at spotting it in my own writing. So, um, but I split my infinitives all the time too, and I know better. So. Yeah, but sometimes I want to split an infinitive. I'm just I saying. know, especially in dialogue. If you want to split, an, if you want to split an infinitive in dialogue, you go right ahead. You know why? Because people do it. It's natural speech. And, and natural also, speech I'm not above entering a, I'm not above ending a sentence or preposition. I don't care if it's wrong. That's right. Um, and one of the things about natural sounding dialogue is it has to be the natural rhythm of the way people talk, which means it's going to be grammatically incorrect at times because most people, 
do not speak grammatical with, with any any degree of grammatical correctness. There are a lot of grammar errors on purpose in my dialogue because I try to capture a fairly natural rhythm of speech without having too many uhs and ums and ah. Uh, I'll lose some, but I can't put in as many even as I actually personally use because it would read really badly. But, like, when I'm in dialogue, I'll say, I'll see you in a couple minutes. In narrative, it will, you know, he will be there in a couple of minutes because a couple of minutes is correct. But couple minutes is the way most people say it. So, you know, let your dialogue flow. And you can split an infinitive. You can do crazy things in passive voice. You can get away with all kinds of breaking grammar rules. And if your beta corrects you and you're, you're trying to clean up your grammar and your dialogue, typos are not the same thing as cleaning up your grammar and dialogue. You need to be comfortable with how your characters are speaking, not making them grammatically correct. The only thing I prefer to write entirely in past tense, whether it be first or third person, I just said this in the chat room, um, and I loathe present tense. I, I just, the only thing worse than present tense would be present tense second person. Ugh. I don't like second person at all, but I, I, that I, will, I will not read second person at all. I never will. Um, I, I do not read it. And if I see somebody writing in first person and they slip into second present, uh, second person, I will close the fic. I'm done. No, because no. Um, but I don't write in first um, um, present tense, and I rarely ever read in present tense. There is that one fic in NCIS. Um, told basically from Tim's point of view, where it's a dead air fic and he does not follow Ziva. And it was written in present tense. And about three or four paragraphs in, I totally stopped noticing the present tense. And I was like, what voodoo is this? <laughs> what is this? I have me. <laughs> there are some times when present tense doesn't jar me at all. And it just, it, it all depends upon how it's written. Um, I used to write. I've done writing in present tense um, because, for me, I always tried to experiment with everything. I wrote, like, a half a page in second person once and said, fuck this noise. Um, I knew that wasn't for me. But I've tried whole stories in present tense. I've whole, tried whole stories in first person present tense, no less. Um, but generally, I prefer um, third person past tense. And... But I have the reverse of what somebody mentioned in the chat room, which is that sometimes, especially with action sequences and sometimes the sex scenes, I will just randomly flip into present tense for and I, I will do it because sex scenes. And I think it's because I kind of picture sex presently in my brain or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of like I'm trying I'm not to not saying I'm do... writing my sex fantasies. I'm just saying that <laughs> it's just She's just saying she's trying to visualize it. Um, with action scenes for me, I think it's an issue. I don't, not, I don't have a lot of comfort in action scenes. So I will be trying to really visualize it in my head and stepping through it. And sometimes that translates into me switching into present tense because there's an immediacy in how it's happening in my head 
that winds up on the page, and then I'll catch it like three or four paragraphs later. Although one time I had several pages done in present tense, and then I just flipped back into past. And when I was editing, I, I didn't even notice it until I edited it. And I was like, whoa, what the fuck is all of this present tense bullshit? Um, but, yeah, sometimes it happens that wherever, whatever it is you do, whatever it is you naturally do, that there might be a, a, a thing that is, but it's probably worth looking at when you do it and what kinds of scenes are happening when you suddenly change tense. If you normally write in present tense and you suddenly slip into past tense, it, it'd be worth looking at what kind of, so you, just so you know. I mean, now that I've identified that it happens mostly with me in action scenes and sometimes in sex scenes, I actually can kind of figure out why. So I just have to accept that when I go through to edit those kinds of things, I got to look at my tenses really carefully because I do have this tendency to switch into present tense. I think it's because you're directing their, their, their movements around the scene in a, in a way that you don't normally do. I mean, you don't normally direct your person as they walk across the room, that they just walk across the room. But when they're engaged in some kind of physical activity, whether it be fighting or fucking, um, you're directing, you're doing, you're, you're more hands-on with the body as far as like what the body is doing. Um, yeah. And it can, you're visualizing what you're doing with the body. I'm not trying to be a freak over here. <laughs> but it's just not coming out right. Well, you I do, what I, I mean, do right? think- I do, yeah, I, I do visualize my sex. I mean, if you're writing a sex scene and you're not visualizing it, that could explain some very strange sex scenes that I've read. Um, right? And frankly, folks, when I can't visualize it, I go get a visual aid. Um, Let's not go there. Oh, I won't get into that. I, I, I will not traumatize potentially hundreds of people over my last visual aid experience, so... Just all yeah, I will so say, folks, if you're if you're on if you're on Pornhub, look at the tags. Look at the tags very carefully, because it was there. <laughs> I just had no. I can take a for that too, you know. But um, yeah, you just gotta visualize it. And if you've never had sex before, um, you need to do a lot of research <laughs> before you go writing it, because. Just, just do some research, honey, and watch some porn. Definitely, but check the tags. But yes, definitely check the tags. Yeah, watching porn, you know, that is like the writer, sex writer's best friend, is if you can't quite, and even if you know a position, like maybe you even know it biblically or intimately or whatever <laughs> word you choose. Um, sometimes it can be hard to describe when y- you maybe have only maybe your only experience with that position is you've been in it <laughs> so um sometimes seeing a visual of it can be very helpful there are actually sometimes when i've written like um like i wrote a bondage scene in a story once where i really needed to see um somebody tied up in that position to get it to to describe it right even though i've actually tied someone up in that position that really wasn't the point it was that i needed to see it so that i could you don't want to over-describe, and it's actually a lot easier for me not to over-describe if I've got a visual aid. But God, tags. Tags. (sighs) 
please all the tags, all the tags, read all the tags. And I, I know that those of you who are on AO3, sometimes you skip the tags because they have like 300. But when you go to like Pornhub or um, Xtube, do not skip the tags ever and read the, and read the description carefully. So you don't you see do something you're not prepared to see. Ever and never and you will never be able to brain bleach away ever. Because sometimes ever. visuals are worse for me than things I've read in terms of you know wow that is stuck. <laughs> that is well yeah that there was that glue. there was that terrible thing that happened in my chat room that time that put me off slash writing for a whole year. Yeah yeah I'm glad I didn't see that frankly very glad. I threw up. I, I can't even think about it. I, I I got feelings. I can't think. I can't. Rodney has won't feelings. Go there. I have, there, there are feelings. There's going to be feelings in my next chapter. I don't have room for that kind of nonsense. But it is the first and only time someone actually got banned from my chat room. That, that's how so bad yes, it was. A really, it doesn't matter how we we are a pretty wild crazy bunch, but a really inappropriate gift could get you banned. So, you know. <laughs> now I, I'm I'm gonna get off the podcast. I'm gonna go right read Kara's story because I gotta know about Avery. <laughs> he hasn't even appeared on the screen yet. It's gonna be great. Wait a minute, you mean, what do you mean he's not on screen? They just talk about him. Oh, now I'm hurt. <laughs> you guys have been penguin teasing me. I have been penguin teased for an hour and 48 minutes. <laughs> but it's great, though. I'm I'm really pleased with my penguin pantsing. Um, it, um, it, it lightened the, the whole chapter because, you know, I, I need you a little bit of lightning. Thing. You gotta quit saying penguin pantsing. Someone is gonna call the ASPCA and you are gonna get in trouble. <laughs> you have not been QBT for six months. You've read both our six. <laughs> you beta both hasn't, of us. She hasn't read mine. Oh, oh. <laughs> Did I not give that back to you? Not yet, but that's okay. I was. I thought I gave that back to you. <laughs> well, you, you should have asked. It's possible. Me. I, <laughs> I've been done for a week. I, I thought I gave it back. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, you may have. I could. I could have missed. Who knows, dude? Uh, who knows? It's terrible. I'm just saying. I'm a patient little penguin. I can wait. I mean, but I've been done. I was like, <laughs> you see what Eric they put in the chat room? <laughs> that kiss is going to kill me. Oh, okay. Now I have to go to the gift. right then. She said it to me right then. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a mean penguin. <laughs> That is a that mean penguin. <laughs> but it's funny as hell. That is a 
That is a penguin in a pig outfit. Fucking adorable. Anyways. But yeah, I I really did the guys. I thought I'd send it to you because I I did my beta and then I, I read it again to make sure I was that I got everything that I thought that I that needed attention because I'm not the grammar beta, obviously. Um, Julie's her own beta grammar <laughs> grammar beta. I'm my own grammar beta. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I got everything that I so. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. But no, seriously, I didn't think I'd give it to you. You should always ask because you know I'm crazy. <laughs> Look at Willow's comment. Okay, guys. The, the the gift that had me in stitches was it's this penguin walking up to to buy another penguin, and the other penguin lifts its little flipper up and or its wing, and it slaps the other penguin in the back of the head, knocks him in the water. So that's the asshole penguin. And then <laughs> Willow Ann says, did we start broadcasting NCIS to Antarctica? Apparently. Because he definitely got gib-smacked. <laughs> yeah, he he definitely got gib-smacked. That's definitely a, a gib-smacked penguin style. Okay, I think we covered everything that was on our list of things to cover, but yeah. I'm going to go double check to make sure because I don't trust my brain at all lately. Well, obviously mine's not trustable. But yes, please don't label your POV changes and please don't label your flashbacks. If you can't transition into a flashback without labeling it, you don't get to do one. New rule. <laughs> We we, you we like making up new rules. We like making up new rules. It does you not a post. unicorn penguin. Absolutely. All penguins are unicorns. But those little penguins, the little penguins, what it's called in Australia, they're also called fairy penguins. They like weigh three pounds. Can you imagine a three pound penguin? I'm pretty sure I have a box of Cheerios that's heavier than a three-pound penguin. It's an itty-bitty penguin. Chris, have you seen the the, the fairy penguins? Because I'm super jealous. They're adorable. How, How does Australia, which is full of things that want to kill you and eat you, end up getting the cute penguin? Your reward for surviving? You get the cute penguins? They are blue. They're blue. Teeny, teeny penguins. Well, I guess since you do live on a continent that is trying to kill you, that you kind of look at that. I'm going to put them in sweaters. Avery's going to need a sweater. 
just it's just ridiculous. It's just the cutest thing I've ever seen. Someone's gonna have to knit Avery a sweater. Um <clears throat> I mean, just imagine John sending out that email to everybody. Does anybody knit? Avery needs a sweater. <laughs> we tried cutting a sock up. It didn't work out. <laughs> Ronan shows up with a little leather jacket for the for the for the penguin. <laughs> Like what? Did you know he made all of his own clothes? <laughs> now I'm really looking forward to Avery appearing on screen. Although now yes. I know that he doesn't appear on screen. You guys are really terrible penguin teases. <laughs> he doesn't have to appear on screen. That's how powerful his presence is in this chapter. <laughs> He didn't even have to be there for everybody to be talking about him. (laughs) (laughs) Hawaiian shirt. Anyways, um, we're down to three minutes. Um, I hope you guys. What is this? Chris, 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 did you read this? Did you read Chris said that there should these little fairy penguins will actually run all over you? I'm just like <sighs> now. I need to go to Australia. Except I would and I've die. I'm putting off because, the idea of going to Australia because I am a statistic waiting to happen. That's why I don't go oh, in the ocean yeah. because I'm a shark victim waiting to happen. I just I know it. Oh, for me, it'd be the spider bite. I, I've been bitten by a brown recluse and the black widow, and it's just on the same arm. It would just, it's inevitable. I would go to Australia, and a funnel web would find me and bite me on the elbow, and you guys would never see me again. So, yeah, I can't go to Australia. Sorry, Chris. I would, I would die. Well, I hope that they're protected because they're adorable and they need to live forever. Anyway, Avery has okay. his own little subplot now. Even though he didn't exist before, now he does, and he has his own little subplot. Even Kira pants is, <laughs> she just pants as penguins. <laughs> Random penguins. Anyways, we're down to two minutes, and it's Saturday, so um, I'm so I'm actually um, on on point to finish my quantum bang somewhere around the twentieth of this month. So, <laughs> rough trade, I imagine rough trade. her quantum. Her quantum bang's already done. Oh, oh, it's oh. Done. My quantum bang, my rough trade, my rough trade. So if I finish my, so if I get my chapter posted before it's time for a podcast, then we might have a podcast tomorrow too. <laughs> you never know. I'm trying, not, I'm trying not to write myself out of the challenge. And you better slow down. <laughs> I know. Or I'll be writing penguin interludes for the rest of the month. I don't think anybody would be mad about that. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> Anyways, um, we're down to a minute. You guys have an excellent evening um, or afternoon if you're in Australia. Uh, and we will catch you later. Say good night, Julie. Good night, everyone. 